Oh, my friends, we have so much to talk about today. I wish we did not, but we do, and I'm glad we're here to be able to do it with you Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2. Good afternoon. Or if this is inconvenient, you can catch us on the podcast, which I'm hearing more and more people do, which I really appreciate. Go to thegreatvoice.com, thegreatvoice.com. You can download either an individual interview or the whole show. And the whole show, with the way they have it sliced up, takes like an hour and nine minutes or something like that. Thegreatvoice.com. Get your podcasts. Hear us when you can. Lots going on in sports, of course. The New York Jets. And I know that uh, Steve said earlier when he was with the boys, Tom and Kevin, that uh, he's not been a big New York fan. I was a Jets fan because... I worked at WABC in New York when we carried the Jets and the Yankees. So I was on the air there. Now, everybody knew that if a Detroit team were coming in, I was rooting for them, much like I do now. I root for Michigan State, unless they're playing Michigan. I rooted for the Yankees uh, and and uh, and the uh, Jets, unless they were playing a Detroit team. Anyway, the Jets can't buy a break, it seems. Can you imagine... And uh, Rieger, and maybe you too, Brian Morton, you guys understand how psyched the Jets were that this was going to be the answer to all their problems. Aaron Rodgers was going to turn the program around. And in the first series of downs as a New York Jet, he completely tore his left Achilles tendon. Now, all that's been talked about here is that He's certainly out for the season, but the reality is he could be out forever. I don't know, Rieger, is that going too far? I mean, I think, you know, he he probably can come back from it, I would think. Uh, I hope. It's going to depend. The bigger problem is that um, they surrounded that team for him. Now, they've got a great defense. They've They've got some great receivers, got a great running game. So they might be able to survive this season um, with their backup quarterback. Um, they may have to go and pick up somebody else, um, you know, maybe a Nick Foles or something like that All right. who has a free agent. But uh, it does stink. I mean. It's been tough. It's been, know, if, it, you it, could say this about you know, the Jets. If they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. You could say that about a lot of teams in the NFL, but yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true, too. They won. They won yeah, without they Aaron Rodgers. I'm a little twisted. but And you know that he's got a great agent because he is guaranteed, whether he plays or not, $75 million a year, I'm told, for the next two years, unless I misunderstood that. But the, you get this. You know, something else that not a lot of people are talking about is Green Bay now loses out on their first-round draft pick that they would have got from the Jets because Aaron Rodgers did not play 65% of the snaps. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So Green Bay is kind of getting hurt by this, too. Yeah, that's I didn't know that. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, while we were getting ready for the show, there was Kevin McCarthy saying the officially the Biden impeachment inquiry will be underway. They'll do a lot of work. They'll do it all without the help of the institutional media. Then when it gets to the Senate, they'll throw it out. It'll be gone in a minute or two. But it's our dollars at work. And I'm not saying that the president that there shouldn't be an impeachment inquiry because there's plenty of proof of all the bad things he's done with Hunter and, and more. But th- enough of that. I want to see and read, maybe while traveling with our WJR listeners, we've got our WJR Travel Club trip to Paris, and and we're looking forward to going to Bordeaux and the river cruise on Uniroyal. Anyway, there's, um, by the way, that reminds me, here's a save the date. I can't give you all the details yet. I can just tell you it's on Seabourn, another great cruise line, coming up August 17th to the 31st of 2024. Save the date. It will be on Seabourn, Montreal to New York. You're looking at New England, Canada, it's just a spectacular ship and a spectacular trip. That saved the date, uh, August 17th to the 31st, 2024. 
um, with our friends at Cruise and Tour in the WJR Travel Club. That's I don't think there's even on anything online yet to tell you about, but I just saying save the day. But anyway, Walter Isaacson, who's a great uh, writer, has his biography. Is that out on the the shelves or is that coming, Dave Rieger? The Elon Musk biography. Do you know if it's out already? I don't know. I'll look and see. He's doing interviews. He's making the television rounds. So we want to get him because we've interviewed him in the past. We want to get him when he starts doing radio. We'd love to have Walter Isaacson on on the Elon Musk biography. He spent two years with Elon Musk. It's going to be a good, uh, interesting read. Um, The Escaped Killer, Cavalcante, eluding 500 officers, and now he's armed. So just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it's now worse. I, I... I don't know what's going to happen on that one. That one just has been a bad situation. He's been out for he's been he's been an escaped guy for a long time. Speaking of long times, Mark Dickey, do you know that name? Probably not. Mark Dickey is the they call them cavers. He's the caver in Turkey who was stuck down there for 12 days because he became ill. And I have got to say, God bless these people that saved him. They went down 3,400 feet and brought him out. Did you see any of the pictures, Brian or Dave, of when they showed the tunnel and how far down it went and how many nooks and crannies and turns and twists to get down to where that guy was? Did either of you see that? I have not seen any of the photos. Oh, my gosh. Look for it. Because it is unbelievable. Brian, did you happen to see any of it? I know you go to bed early and you don't always, but did you see any of the no, the footage that showed where he was in, in the earth down 3,400 feet? I cannot believe the heroism of the people who went down to, to save him. I do not understand the job that he was doing, Mark Dickey. I just, I don't know what he was doing. I just know I could not do it for any amount of money in the world because I'm claustrophobic. And I got to tell you, I got claustrophobic just looking at where he was in the what looked like the middle of the earth. I know it wasn't. But anyway, um, and book, to, hmm? book by, the book, the um, Musk book, by the way, comes out today. Oh, good. Today. All 688 right, so, pages. Oh, yeah. Uh, Walter Isaacson, you look him up. He doesn't write short biographies. He doesn't write short books. Oh, yeah. The last book I read was, Walter, uh, about um, the Steve Jobs, though. Yep. He does, so, he, yeah. does a, he does a great job. And I'm going to look for that book, take it along on my uh, my little travel club trip with our WJR uh, listeners coming up in like, like two weeks or so. Today is a big day for Dave Rieger. Might it, it used to be a big day for Brian Morton. I don't think uh, Brian is into Apple like he once was. But today is the big Apple announcements, that's with an S, at the Steve Jobs Theater at 1 o'clock, less than an hour from right now. So if we lose Dave Rieger, it's because he's off watching this uh, presentation. Is this going to be, where will this be, on the Apple, Apple, uh, yeah, Apple website? Dot, Apple.com, YouTube, They're gonna, you can stream it. Yeah, they're calling it, they're calling it Wonderlust is the name of this uh, event. Now, do they always name their events? I think they do. They started doing that. Yeah. Um, why don't they? they why they don't always they... have these these debuts the, dating back to the original uh, iPhone in uh, 2007, which I was a a person who had the original iPhone. February which you could have sold for you could have sold that for like a million dollars. And if I should you have still bought, had the should box have bought and, two. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what it could have should is you know there's a of lot of that going around. Yeah. Um, so, it, so I guess they instead of calling it Wonderlust or whatever no, they Wonder call Lust, it, Wonderlust. This is what the name of this one is. Yes, I see. They should call it "Get Ready, Folks," because all of your charging cables are going to be worthless after this announcement today. Well, I mean, you know, people knew this was happening. This is not, you know, Apple tried to fight it, but uh, Europe is making everybody do it. So, well, you'll explain more as we go along. Uh, how about the United States and Iran making a deal to swap prisoners? How is it that five American citizens being released by them, and we're giving up five Iranian citizens, but apparently our citizens aren't worth as much as the Iranian citizens to this current president, 
because he's also giving them $6 billion back. I don't see any deal like that for the Americans. Are you kidding me? What the hell is wrong with this guy? Well, where do we begin? I guess the Democrats are going to begin with their impeachment hearings that probably will go nowhere. We continue here where we're going everywhere on WJR. And we're thrilled to be at the North American International Detroit Auto Show. And uh, lots of us will be there on Wednesday and Thursday. Friday night, I'll help out again as the Master of Ceremonies for the very important charity preview, helping six children's charities in the area. And then we'll have a special broadcast starting at 6 o'clock this Friday night. We've done that for years now. And while I'll still be on stage coming over, Marie Osborne is going to be taking over the duties with Lloyd Jackson, starting off the broadcast at 6. I'll get over there whenever I can get over there, and we'll go till 7.30. And so far we have a who's who of people lined up to be on the uh, on the show with us. We're looking forward to people supporting the auto industry, no matter what side of the picket line you're on, if there is a picket line, understanding that this one, Charity Preview, is for the kids. And I sure hope no one's stupid enough to try to block raising money for kids in need. Meanwhile, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has arrived in Russia for an expected meeting with President Vladimir Putin, a meeting that has prompted concerns that Kim might be there to broker a deal to provide weapons for Moscow's war in Ukraine. And our WJR senior news analyst, Marie Osborne, has been monitoring Kim's travels and has an update of this crazy man meeting with the megalomaniac. It's it's quite a meeting. I, I would say I'd like to be a fly on the wall, but I'd fear for my life. Uh, very true, Paul. Very true. Kim departed Pyongyang for Russia on Sunday on board this bulletproof train. He was along. Uh, he was also on that trip with arms industry and military officials. Very early this morning, the train carrying Kim crossed into Russian territory. Now, observers say it'll likely be tomorrow before Kim and Putin meet in what's described as a very full on state visit. We're talking about a Red carpet treatment here. And it's believed that these two leaders are going to have a lot to talk about. North Korea has continued to build up its military arms, but despite having had no conflicts with its South Korean neighbor in several decades, so it's believed those arms might be offered to Russia in return for food and technical support from Russia. Russian officials have said that the discussions could include humanitarian aid to North Korea and the U.N. Security Council resolutions imposed against Pyongyang. Now, Pyongyang and Moscow have denied that North Korea could supply arms to Russia. Any exchange, by the way, would violate Security Council resolutions. North Korea is one of the few countries to have openly supported Russia over the Ukraine conflict. It is believed to be Kim's first trip outside of the country in four years, Paul W. He rarely travels outside of North Korea. And for good reason, but anyway. (laughs) And international observers say this is a clear indication of a stronger bond between Russia, North Korea, and, of course, their close ally, China. So this is... This is uh, something to watch. You, uh, you, you mentioned that he was on that armored train. It is so armored that it, it, it apparently is a very slow, slow train, train because it's so heavy uh, or because he's on it. But it is uh, the biggest problem here that everyone's keying in on Ukraine. Better pay attention to the fact that, that Russia can give North Korea the technology mm-hmm. that they're seeking that could advance their satellite and nuclear-powered submarine capabilities, which could significantly advance its capabilities in areas that the rogue regime has not fully developed. Here's the biggest problem going. I've been saying it. I'll keep saying it. We now have China, North Korea, and other haters of the United States teaming up with Vladimir Putin. And this has nothing to do with worrying about Ukraine. My friends... Right around us, these people are getting together to gang up on us because they see how weak we are right now. This is ugly. This is 
frightening. And this is happening before our very eyes. When I talked to, uh, you know, your producer about this, Dave, you know, about doing this story, I said, this is the top international story of this week, if not this month. This is something all of us should be very paying very close attention to. Absolutely. Because each side, you know, has something to gain here. North Korea needs this technical assist, right? But they also need food. And Russia may be able to provide some of that for them. And that's very important to them as well. And Russia desperately needs ammunition. Yep. And North Korea must have maybe the largest, they call it cash, the largest cash mm-hmm. of weaponry than anybody because they've been more paranoid longer than virtually any other country in existence. Yep, stockpiling it all these years. Yep. They've got ammunition that might be too old to use, but I guess it's still okay if it's, I guess if it's been stored properly. And, of course, they've taken better care of their ammunition store than they did uh, the people of their North Korea. people, absolutely. absolutely. So that is, a, it's just a bad thing all the way around. But I just want people to understand, it's not just Ukraine that we should be worried about. And, you know, the, the Security Council resolution that says you can't, you cannot, no other countries can sell uh, or supply ammunition to Russia. Do you think... China, North Korea, or Russia cares even a little what the Security Council resolutions are? Not are you a kidding squat. me? <laughs> Not a squat. Not no. a squat is right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. So they say they're going to roll out the red carpet when he finally does see Putin. It's going to be, you know, sh- sh- clinking champagne glasses yeah, the yeah. whole nine yards. So Yeah, I hope he trips on the red carpet. Hey, hey i got to ask you a quick question because you know everything. I've never heard of an American XL Bulldog. What is, is that a pit bull? I don't know what that is. Is it a large bulldog? I I don't know, but here it is. The UK Home Security Secretary is pushing for a ban on what they call American XL Bulldogs. The move comes after that breed of dog attacked an 11-year-old girl on the streets of Birmingham. The secretary wrote on social media after footage of the attack surfaced, quote, this is appalling. The American XL bully is a clear and lethal danger to our communities, particularly children. We can't go on like this. I have commissioned urgent advice on banning them. Six out of the 14 fatal dog attacks that happened in the UK since 2021 involved what they're calling American XL Bulldogs. Looks, It looks like a pit bull, but I've never heard it called that. Right. And I just, yeah, I just looked at a photo of it. It's it. Does look kind of scary. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, you know who has bulldogs and loves bulldogs is Lauren Crocker, who does our the morning show on our sister station. Oh, lovely Lauren! I'll have yeah. to ask her about her bulldogs, mm-hmm. and we'll have to ask her what's the difference between a, a bulldog and an XL bulldog. I don't know. All right, Riri, thank you. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne, uh, and uh, she'll continue monitoring Kim's. Uh, visit in Russia here on WJR. It's been a while since we looked out at the financial and economic landscape and saw nothing but warm sunshine and smooth blacktop on the horizon. It has been at least a couple, two, three years, huh? Lately, it's been more like a pothole-riddled Michigan highway in a snowstorm. And our friend and retirement planner, Chris Alberta, at Principium, always reminds us that an ideal retirement portfolio is like a two-car garage. One part SUV, one part sports car. And when the weather's bad, you turn to the big four-wheel drive truck. It's safe, gets you through the storm. When the sun is up, nothing feels better than dropping the top of our little sports car uh, and punching the gas without worrying about how much gas is costing. That's what's missing in the financial world, the long-lost balance between safety and growth. It's what Chris always preaches. The retirement model that can have far less risk than the markets themselves, but all the horsepower to still put a smile on your face. Stop doing things the Wall Street way with a garage full of race cars. Please, I implore you, start building a retirement that can meet your future needs, regardless of market downturns, government overreach, reckless inflation, and tax hikes. That's going to continue for a while. But there is a solution. 
the one that Kim and I found, and many of you, many of our listeners at WJR have sought out. Call Chris Alberta at Principium today. Set up a complimentary visit. Examine your objectives and fill that retirement garage with all the safety and power you'll ever need. You do not want to run out of money in your lifetime. And this isn't what you do for a living, I would assume, but it is what Chris and his team do, and you should find out how they can help you. It's not comfortable thinking about our mortality and our future, but we have to because nobody else is except Chris Alberta when you call him at 888-800-8949, 888-800-8949. Paul W. Smith, focus on WJR 760. So many things that are going on and to think about that affect us in a variety of ways. We have a president now that they're going to investigate for impeachment. Uh, we have uh, other issues for us, a very important issue that I'm sure Jared Halpern can, can relate to or at least knows that we're all concerned about a strike and the auto industry shutting down. And on top of that, this great Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor, Jared Halpern, is taking a look at the government shutdown threat set to collide with demands for the Biden impeachment. We've got too much going on, and that's not even including Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin teaming up together. My goodness, Jared, let's go back to bed. Well, listen, I think that that last part you made about Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin is going to be something that uh, plays into this government funding plan that it's going to have to get passed. And I say that because remember one thing that the White House wants included uh, in any sort of spending deal uh, between Republicans and Democrats is additional funding for Ukraine's uh, military, for Ukraine's defense. Um, and that's what this meeting between Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin is about, that the Russians are trying to get – um, an arms deal with North Korea, uh, because there are very few other places that the Russians can look to to replenish their stockpiles. And it's another reason that the administration says that uh, the the Western um, assistance of Ukraine is starting to, to show uh, success. It needs to continue. It needs to be sustained. So, you know, a lot of these issues are kind of interconnected in that way because it all comes back to uh, the central issue in Congress of uh, of appropriating funding, of spending money. Right. Well, I have to tell you, um, as we mentioned just a moment ago, it, Putin, Kim Jong-un, and a bunch of other haters, China, uh, gathering together is very worrisome for me. And they don't care what the Security Council says. They have no interest. They laugh at people following the rules of others when they say they are looking out for themselves, and no one will get in the way for that. So we have a well, lot... China, by the way, Russia and China are members of the Security Council, so they're able to veto uh, Security Council resolutions in the same way the U.S. is. So it's it's meaningless, I guess. It, uh, let, let's get to the point, Well, Jared. I mean, it depends what the issue is. I mean, listen, I think that there are certainly, you know, the, the, the resolutions that ban um, the sale... Uh, of weapons to and from North Korea, I think goes beyond the security. I think it's a UN resolution. So you're right. They would be in violation. That doesn't mean a whole lot because Russia is already sort of sanctioned to the hilt, right? It's not. Yeah. They, what are we going to do? Other access that the United States can, can sort of move and, and kind of apply pressure to because so much of that has been done uh, over the last 18 months. It is notable that China has not entered that kind of arrangement with um, Russia. They have not supplied weapons. They have not supplied arms in the way that they have been asked to by Russia. And in large measure, I think it's because of the sanctions that could be applied to uh, China, an economy that is way more intertwined globally than Russia's ever was. Right. And I also think it's because China, who hates Russia as much as they hate the United States, is waiting to see who might come out on top. Because they don't want to make a decision that's wrong. They're very, very careful about decisions, about saving face, about any number of things. 
So they're they're keeping their powder dry, but right now they're leaning toward Putin and Russia. Whatever he said to them, I don't know. But they all know that they're facing maybe the weakest United States of America in many, 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 many years. Tell me something. You're on the inside, Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Tell me this, because I'm sure I'm missing something. Why are five American citizens not worth as much as five Iranian citizens? Because the Biden administration has cleared the way for the release of five American citizens detained in in Iran by issuing a blanket waiver for international banks to transfer $6 billion in frozen Iranian money from South Korea to Qatar without fear of U.S. sanctions. So we get five of ours back, they get five of theirs back, but theirs are worth much more because they're also getting $6 billion from Biden. Can you tell me how that works? Well, because it's not $6 billion going to Iran Directly, The way that this is arranged is that this would go from essentially that frozen account in South Korea, you're right, to a central bank in Qatar, which would oversee that money that would be, we're told, used exclusively and explicitly for some key humanitarian purchases uh, by organizations within Iran that otherwise would face those sanctions. And so the administration, first of all, has said this is not a done deal, that it has not happened yet. And two, that this is funds that uh, are Iranian assets. Um, and are being used specifically for these humanitarian purposes and nothing else. And that they also yeah, say that there would be a way to sort of track that and have checks on that. Well, but, but, okay, you've got to go. I've got to go. But why aren't five Americans worthy of five Iranians coming back? Why does five, six billion dollars enter into it that they will get their hands on and they will use any way they want? I, I It just... It's just jarring, Jared Halpern. Thanks for being with us. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, on his way to his next uh, assignment. We appreciate that. We appreciate you being with us here on News Talk 760 WJR from noon to 2. Or go to thegreatvoice.com and listen to our podcast of the whole show anytime that's convenient for you as we continue on 760 WJR. And we are so lucky to have uh, guest experts that help us out on so many issues. No issue bigger now than this auto industry update. And because I'm trying to do relentless positive radio every day, I do appreciate the headline from today in the Detroit News. Stellantis saying the UAW talks are on a good path. Well, at least that's the way Stellantis sees it now. Uh, Sean Fain of the UAW says he's willing to negotiate 24-7 with the Detroit Three on their various agreements. Professor Merrick Masters has held our proverbial hand throughout this entire uh, situation, business professor and labor expert at Wayne State University. Professor, always a pleasure. Thank you for being with us again. Oh, it's a pleasure being with you. Can you tell me what your what your gut feeling is as we barrel our way toward the deadline? Well, the latest reports I have indicate that things are narrowing the differences between them, at least on one of the big items, and that's wages. The latest report I've seen is that the UAW has offered a 35% increase, and Stellantis' last proposal, before the one they made yesterday, which I had not seen, was 14.5%. So they've moved really from their original positions of close to um, nine um, <clears throat> $9 or more an hour difference down to $6 an hour or more, which is significant movement. And, you know, you think about it, reducing your initial wage ask from 46 to 35% is a pretty steep decline in your ask. And I think if there's progress being made on other things, I'm hopeful always that in the last few hours of negotiations, they can find a way to make a deal done in at least one of the companies. It would be a shocking but most welcomed conclusion if they can do that. It would be a shocking uh, development. We've all we've sort of inoculated ourselves that there's going to be a strike. And so now the focus is on how many companies are they going to strike 
Are they going to strike one, two, all three? Are they going to strike selected plants across one or more of the companies? I think it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and everybody will be pleasantly surprised if they don't strike. But they're negotiating around the clock for a reason, uh, and they are probably making some progress. A lot of sticky points and negotiations like this, the devil is really in the detail. Yeah, and there, and there are a lot of details. Oh, and there are a lot of details. They're very complex with a lot of moving parts and uh, different perspectives that you have to reconcile. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out uh, in your learned thought process, uh, Professor Merrick Masters, business professor and labor expert at Wayne State, is there anything that either side is requesting or holding firm on that is just, in your learned opinion, unrealistic? Well, I think it depends on how hard they're holding to certain things. I always believe that you should ask for things that you can justify. And while some people say you shouldn't ask for retiree health care or bringing back the fine um, pension benefit, pension plans, um, those things were um, benefits provided to the union workers for a long period of time. According to Sean Fain, they were suspended, not um, conceded in perpetuity. And they are the kinds of things that people believe help stabilize the society and distribute wealth a little bit more equally between uh, groups. And I think all those things provide a justification. Now, at the same time, it's how hard are you going to pursue that? Um, and <clears throat> I don't think that you want to pursue those kinds of things that you had to give up to help the company survive um, if, you, if that means um, jeopardizing their future and the future of these workers. I think you've got to focus on those things which are most realistic. And I think wage increases, other forms of compensation um, in terms of an embellished profit-sharing arrangement, those things are doable. And you want to get ultimately more money into the pocketbook of workers. And you also want to help out retirees to the extent that you can without raising your liabilities or fixed costs beyond an acceptable point. Yeah. And, and these are all things, back to that with the retirees and such, that the new companies we're going to be fighting against in the EV world don't have those costs because they haven't been around as long as we have been. And we gave up our advantage when we gave up on the internal combustion engine. But that's just my thought and opinion. Professor, well, I think you, you raise a very good point there, and that's a big issue. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. Professor Merrick Masters, business professor, labor expert, Wayne State University. We so appreciate your expertise, and we will lean on you again soon. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you, Professor Masters. We have another hour to go and lots to talk about. There's been a lot happening in the news while we've been on the air and leading up to it. So we'll get into it here. It's Focus with Paul W. Smith on 760 WJR. Good afternoon. Nice to be with you. Hope all is well. And you're on your way to uh, understanding uh, that, in fact, each and every day counts. And you make it count. Because it is truly a gift. We have no idea. We are reminded of this at a certain age every day. We have no idea how much QTR we have remaining. Quality time remaining. Kim taught me that, and it's true. And we learn it every day, one way or another. Here's uh, what's been going on. Apple making an announcement. Uh, Dave Rieger, is that happening right now? Is Dave, did Dave leave the room to go find the app? <laughs> I, I have it I have it on right here oh, in, okay. on my laptop. All right. It's just starting. Let us know if anything significant happens, please. You got and it. We'll try, we'll try to do the same on our end here, uh, the un-Apple. I know you're excited stuff. about it, so. Well, I am. I love Apple. I've been an Apple guy. Brian Morton, you, no, Brian's not an Apple guy. No, no he's not. He was, though. He was. I, I bought him an app as a gift around Christmas time many years ago. I bought him something Apple. I I, I think it was an iPad. I don't I know, so, Brian. Yeah. What was it? Pretty sure it was an iPad, yeah. An iPad. And I was so excited because he's hard to buy for. And um, I'll and, take an iPad. 
<laughs> yes, I know. Yes, those were those were the days when everybody made a lot more money than they do now in broadcasting. So no, I'm afraid that day late, that and a dollar short. No, okay. Yep, yeah. it's the story of my life as yes. well. Yes, okay. Uh, so uh, I'm a I I like Apple. I don't like that you have to always change your plugs and everything else because that's kind of annoying. But be that as it may, I'll get the next phone uh, unless you tell me as my Apple expert, Dave Rieger, that I shouldn't. But no, anyway. You should. Well, you don't even know yet. You don't even know for sure what it is. But be that as it may, Kevin McCarthy spoke at 1122 this morning and said he's uh, making the move for a former House inquiry um, on uh, the current uh, president of the United States. So, uh, yeah, what's that going to mean? Well, they'll go through it all. They will do it all without the help of the institutional media. Um, I don't know if they can get enough out there to get the American people to say this is more than a political witch hunt because that's what the Dems and therefore the media keep saying. So we'll see. Um, it'll be fascinating to watch. Meanwhile, that escaped killer, my goodness, this Calva Conte, whatever, what a wily rascal he is. 500 officers still looking for him. They put up, now there's, a, I guess, a $25,000 reward, if you can find him. Uh, but now he has a gun. He has a rifle. It's a twenty two. A twenty two can kill you just as bad as any other rifle. And it has a scope and a light on it. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, let's see. Aaron Rodgers, New York Jet. There he is. Everybody was so excited. He's carrying the American flag. He's the rescue of the New York Jets. They've been in trouble for a long time. And if they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. Was it the fourth play or the first series of downs, right, that he got hurt? Yeah, it was like the third play, yeah. So Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. A complete tear of his left Achilles tendon. And I heard last night, I hope, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I believe it is. I don't know what his contract was to go over to the Jets, but apparently it was huge. Oh, yeah. Because they said... He's guaranteed, whether he plays or not, $75 million this year and $75 million next year. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good long-term disability money, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be hurting for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, mm-hmm. only, the Jets are going to be hurting, though. Um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I know he'd rather get out there and play. I understand that. Meanwhile, uh, thegreatvoice.com is where you find the podcasts day or night and uh, download them, or they'll automatically download to your listening device, whatever you use. I use my phone. Uh, But uh, thegreatvoice.com, it's great that we can still be together, even if you can't be here noon to 2. We had Professor Merrick Masters, business professor, labor expert from Wayne State University with us. I have not heard... If you guys have, you can tell me. I've not heard anything lately about what we used to call the jobs bank, which I was working in another town at the time because there was no job available at WJR at that time. Um, when somebody said, hey, the uh, the auto industry now can close factories. And I went, oh, boy, that's good because they don't want to close factories, but if they're losing money by having it open, that's good. They can. And they said, oh, but by the way, they still have to pay the workers. And, of course, I thought they were kidding, but they were not. It was called the Jobs Bank. And I just never felt it was a good thing to pay people for not working because it sets a poor example for everybody, including the kids in the family. Oh, I want to I do what Dad does. He doesn't have to do anything. He gets paid. That's not good. And I used to have conversations about this with my friend, still my friend, who I respect greatly, Ron Gettelfinger, the savior of the UAW and the auto industry a number of years ago, about the Jobs Bank. But I haven't heard anything about it lately. Have you, David or I Brian? I, I haven't no. heard anything about it lately. It was in there just by uh, a different name. And I again, I like the headline that... Uh, at least uh, Stellanis, which got off to a very rocky start, says the UAW talks are on a good path. And Sean Fain says he's willing to negotiate 24-7 with the Detroit Three on any packs that they can uh, get done before the strike deadline, which will be a strike. It's not just a, you better get this done or we may strike on this date. They're going to strike if the deals 
are not done. That is, I think that's been very clearly expressed. Did you see, uh, did you see Paul, what happened to the MGM Resort properties in the U.S.? All MGM Resort properties? Not all of them, but all of their computer systems at all MGM properties have been shut down for the immediate future until this they got attacked, a cyber attack. So over a dozen MGM hotels and casinos on Sunday had to um, uh, slow down their operations um, because there was a cyber attack. So people went to social media, and you see these videos of everything like – no ATMs working, no withdrawals from the cashier, and all the, the slots seem to be going down. Yeah, this is... Uh... I thought you were going to tell me, and, and I would just excuse myself for the rest of the show and run down there if you said, well, the slots started paying out uh, right, exactly right. endlessly. Yeah. That right. You just put a dollar in, and all of a sudden, right. it just never stopped. Right. But uh, that's all never, of the, it's never going to happen. All of but. their hot, all the hotels and casinos have been impacted by the outages. Here, too? Yeah. Here? MGM Grand Detroit is on this list, yes. Oh, my goodness. No, I hadn't heard a thing about it. Yeah, so it happened on Sunday, and, um, yeah, cyber attack. Man, oh, man. How are we going to get a grip on the cyber attacks? You know, they attack hospitals. They attack our military. They attack everywhere, it major kind corporations. Of these, it's, it's kind of almost these silent... It's almost kind of like the silent killer that nobody talks about, you know, is cyber attacks. I mean, they, people and companies invest tons of money to try to stop it while these cyber, while these people that are brilliant with computers, um, you know, they sometimes they have to hire them to stop the attack right, that they right. created. <laughs> right, right. I remember that happening a lot. You know what? I want you to find this person from USA Today under the headline, Happiness Worth Its Weight in Gold. Study shows necessary salary exceeds the median. They say a salary of about $105,000 on average is seen as enough money to make people happy in the U.S. Fascinating. It's interesting. I once knew a person who told me that they could not live for under $250,000 a year. Yeah, You hear a lot of things out there. And we put ourselves in sometimes unwinnable positions. I'm hoping that this study could help us not do that. We'll talk about it. Then there's also uh, something from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. As the fall virus season approaches, which vaccines should you get? That's probably a pretty good story, too. I mean, no one's... I mean, there are people who are against vaccines, period, and there are people who are not. And uh, we'll just try to get in the middle of all that. We will uh, check in with uh, Marie Osborne. As more children die from fentanyl, some prosecutors are charging their parents with murder, and they should. As we continue in focus on 760 WJR. So glad we're here together, noon to 2, Monday through Friday at 760 on the AM dial WJR. All the time at thegreatvoice.com. You can get our podcast and listen to it at your convenience. Thegreatvoice.com. Look for Focus with Paul W. Smith. And uh, more stories are out there. Maybe Marie and I can discuss this a little bit, but the FDA has approved an updated COVID vaccine as the cases increase, Food and Drug Administration, authorizing the updated COVID-19 vaccines aimed at uh, more recent uh, viral variants. We'll see how that goes. And the U.S. sets record for billion-dollar weather disasters from storms to wildfires. It's already been a record catastrophic year for weather and climate disasters across the nation, and we still have we have nearly, uh, what, four months to go. So uh, that's not a record that we uh, enjoy breaking. Meanwhile, prosecutors around the country are going after drug-addicted parents whose children are being poisoned and in some cases killed by fentanyl that the parents have around the house. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne takes a look at this very unfortunate, sad, growing trend. Marie? Yes, Paul. And, you know, often law enforcement is reluctant to go after parents who've suffered a loss of a child because of the overwhelming grief experienced by the parents. But now as the opioid crisis escalates and claims the lives of more innocent children, Prosecutors are going after the parents and in some cases charging them with murder. Some 20 states have now so-called drug-induced homicide laws, which allow prosecutors to press murder or manslaughter charges against anyone who supplies or exposes a person to drugs 
causing a fentanyl overdose. overdose. The laws are intended to target the drug dealer. In three counties in California, prosecutors got creative and they turned to drunk driving laws to charge parents whose kids died from fentanyl overdoses. The cases will be soon tested in court to see if they can make that uh, those charges stick. In a couple of recent cases, prosecutors say a child died after touching something with the powdery substance than touching their eyes. In one case, mm. the drug was visible on a nightstand, and in another, it was in, on the hands of a parent who had prepared a baby's bottle. Experts say fentanyl can be lethal in as little as two milligrams. How much is two milligrams, you ask? It's the weight of a mosquito. Those opposed to this type of prosecution say parents should be charged with child neglect, not murder. The parents do not, did not intend to kill their children. Instead, they made very poor choices and they should be offered help. Why would someone defend someone who does something that leads to the death of their children? You know, when you were talking, Marie, I wrote down a note. Drunk driving, kill their child. Haven't we been prosecuting drunk drivers mm -hmm. who killed their child in the mm -hmm. car with them? Haven't we been doing that for a very long time, I hope? Yes. Yes, we have. So yes, I don't understand have. why, and I'm glad you brought it up, because it shouldn't be difficult to do the same thing when people have illicit, illegal, life-threatening drugs laying around the house where kids can get them. You know, all things, and I'm certainly not going to defend drug-addicted parents here who, you know, have drugs in their home with small children at all, but things like this are nuanced, and often parents find themselves, the ones who are drug-addicted, with multiple children. So your uh, prosecutors sometimes are faced with, okay, if we charge this parent with murder, what happens to the rest of the children that are in this household? Uh, now, who, who's going to take care of them? These are sometimes very complicated cases. Um, I'm I'm with you 100 percent in saying these parents do need to be prosecuted, though. You 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 make a decision when you bring drugs into your house or anything uh, or a gun. Yeah. Or, or a gun. Yeah. You've made a decision there. So uh, whether, you know, you you know, you have a complex history or not, you've made that decision. So I, I believe they need to be held accountable. But, um, you know, just trying to give you both sides of the story. No, I know. That, but, you, I, know. you know, the first thing I thought, Marie, and I know this is not necessarily your thought, you're telling me that the police look at the situation and say, well, geez, there are other children. We're going to take their parents away. Well, the, the first thing I thought of was, so we're going to give the parents an opportunity yeah. to kill more children? Right, right. That is definitely, you know, the, the hard-driving uh, prosecutors often will say, no, we're, you lost your chance you know, your right to be a parent when you made this absolutely devastating decision to bring drugs in the household. It, it's really heartbreaking when you read some of these cases. It truly, truly is. Oh, it, how could it not be? Yep. How could it not be? But people make mistakes, and depending on the severity of the mistake, and life and death is a pretty big mistake, you pay the price, unfortunately or fortunately, and you have to be concerned about the other children in the house and other parents who will see this story and hopefully uh, either get help, which is unlikely, unfortunately, but or at least understand that they have to put these drugs where their kids can never get to them, and in that one story you said, obviously wash their hands thoroughly whenever they use these drugs, which they shouldn't be using in the first place. Don't take me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that you're thinking <laughs> washing your hands when you're taking drugs. Right? No, I, but but you better, you, you better understand that that mom fixing the bottle oh. for the baby wasn't thinking of poisoning that baby, but did. I also wondered for mothers that are breastfeeding, you know, everything goes through the baby, so... You know, in a lot of these cases, children are being exposed to drugs through breast milk as well. Oh, man. And that yeah. opens up a whole other can of worms. Even if the, if, the, if the baby hasn't yet been adversely affected, right. what are the long-term effects for a baby uh, suckling uh, in these, uh, in this case, fentanyl? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't know that anyone knows. It isn't good. We know that. But I don't know. You know what I want to know is, and I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you can give me an answer on this, Marie, but why are so many people in our, I'll just stay with our country, why are so many people in our country needing to give their lives a boost synthetically with drugs or alcohol? And why are so many people in pain to the mm-hmm. point of every other damn commercial on television mm-hmm. has something to do with fixing pain. Who's looking at why we're in this set of circumstances as a country? I'm so glad you brought that up because I've wondered that myself. I've wondered why is, oh, this is going to be so unpopular, but why is there a um, you know pot uh, outlet on every street corner. Not that if you, if you want to do that, that's terrific, and you can go ahead and do that. But there are so many. Like, yeah. why? Why are we doing that to ourselves? You look at the billboards along the highway. Yes. You think it's the only new the, business in it's town? It's the only business in town, right? Again, not that there's anything wrong with it. If you want to do that and do it at your house, go ahead. But I just wonder why so why much. We, why are we in that position that yeah. we need to? do that or feel that we need to exactly i don't get it either i'm glad that we're on the same page yeah i wondered about it myself wjr senior news analyst marie osborne here with paul w jr so many great shows on this great radio station over 100 uh, now 101 years old and at the helm the first female program director our ann thomas doing a great job Right out of the box, because, well, she's been here like 40 years. She knows what WJR should be and is and will continue to be. I hope you listen in seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And I hope you'll go to thegreatvoice.com and hear our podcasts, especially if you can't be here now, noon to two. You can get our shows, and I hope you will. You'll hear the uh, the wisdom of Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor Ryan Schmelz, who is here now after, well, after the first debate in Milwaukee that uh, brought some attention to former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, the biotechnology entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, both have seen polling bumps since then. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this next debate set for September 27th, Ryan. Right, and, and I think Paul's going to, as of right now, look a little bit similar to what it was the last time, but I think the one big difference this time will be that uh, there will be, so likely the candidates will get more time to talk just based off of who's qualified so far. Now, that could change if some of these other candidates who are struggling to make the debate stage uh, eventually get on, but as of right now, we only have six candidates qualified Seven, if you count former President Trump, but he so far has made it, it seem like he's not going to be there. And I, and and uh, according to uh, our producer Dave Rigger, he was just looking at a New York Times story. Donald Trump has not gotten check marks. They have to. Um, they have a financial goal. They have a polling goal. Of course, the Donald doesn't have to worry about that. And then they have to say that they'll sign. They have to sign a pledge. That says yeah. they will support whoever the GOP, <laughs> whoever the GOP nominee is. So we're going to have trouble with uh, former President Trump on that. But you right. know who else has had a problem from our area is Perry Johnson, who yep. gets 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 a check mark by the dollar amount, but not by the polling. And he's got a bone to pick about that. And apparently, he hasn't signed the pledge yet. Uh, what do you hear about to Perry Johnson from afar? We, you know, we're too yeah. close to the forest. It's a pretty under the radar campaign. Now, certainly, he's gotten some name recognition through uh, television ads that he's been posting, and certainly, I think that has contributed to why he's met the fundraising criteria of getting fifty thousand small dollar donations uh, before a certain date. So certainly he's gotten that, but it doesn't look like that that attention that he's commanded has really registered much on the polling side. But certainly there's there's aspects in there that I think people, especially in the Trump day and age, might uh you know find appealing. You know certainly a substantial business background uh, has made a lot of self you know 
wealth in his life. And that's and, and people, I think, today in this day and age of politics like to see somebody who's achieved something before they get into the political realm. But it just looks like he's still struggling to get that uh, extra, you know, support enough to really register anything on the polls. Ryan, they tell us his people and he actually told us on the show that uh, there's a big advertising campaign, both on uh, commercial television and uh, on the Internet as well, coming up. They've got plans. But he also has put a million dollars of his own money, again, up to defend what he calls just normal family people trying to do the right thing for their country, uh, defend people who are getting harassed or in legal trouble because of what they did or didn't do around polling places, around the polling machines, around conversations on saying that that the last election was rigged or whatever. He's actually putting money up to help those people uh, fight those charges. He's putting he's putting a million of his own dollars, and he's trying to raise another million dollars. So that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, at this point in the second debate, we're looking at what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ramaswamy, who I suspect will be the lightning rod again, Nikki Haley, the former vice president, Mike Pence, uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, and the former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Do you have a different uh, you, list? You, 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 you nailed it. That was a very impressive pop quiz question you just answered right there. <laughs> I've, I've got the list in front of me, and you got it all right. Well, I have the list in front of me, too. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I wouldn't remember all those people. There are too many people, uh, which is a problem, mm-hmm. which is why well, I'm not going down that road. Anyway, so North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former uh, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, um, not going to be there, and, and we're not guessing that Donald Trump will be there again either. I don't know. I, has he said? I don't. I haven't been listening. Has he said he's not going to be there? He has not officially said that he's going to be there, and it looks like, he just based off what he's been saying, he doesn't plan on showing up. Uh, in terms of Doug Burgum, I do believe that he has met the fundraising criteria but still needs to register more in the polls in order to qualify. And he was actually an interesting one because he actually met the qualifications for the last debate relatively quick, which was pretty impressive considering the fact that he was lacking in the name recognition category when he first got onto the stage, and it, he still looks like he might be lacking in that. But ultimately, uh, he signed the pledge. He appeared in the first debate. He's gotten the fundraising criteria, but he's got to do better in the polls, and that's just not what he's got right now. Well, let me just say, uh, a Burgum, for God's sakes, uh, was going to set the world upside down uh, because he had this unusual <laughs> tactic of giving away $20 gift cards for anyone who pitched in a dollar to his campaign. I mean, that's just a bad precedent. Yeah, yeah, I could see where that might hit wrong with people, especially when you, you talk about it, just some of the things that, we, that, that, that people raise concern about on campaign trails, both Republican and Democrat circles. Yeah, I could see where that could, could, could hit a little uh, wrong right there, right? We don't want to make... People running for president have to be multi multi millionaires or billionaires in order to run. That's just not the. That's not what our founding fathers had in mind. It's. It. I mean, it doesn't take much to figure out how wrong that is. I, I think there's definitely that 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 thought process. You know, you saw this. I think in the last primary with the Democrats, we had Tom Steyer get on the debate stage and, and really get his way into name recognition just from purchasing ads and from being popular that way. So it looks like some candidates are trying that again, but if it works out, we'll have to see. All righty. I appreciate your help always, Ryan Schmeltz. I always like to see you on my rundown. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, and seemingly all-round good guy. Hey, always great to be on, Paul. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ryan, very much. And more good news coming up. Relentless Positive Radio here in Focus. We've got Dan Weingart's coming up. And, yep, they're at it again. They're going to mow down hunger, and you can be a part of it. Stay with us. No one does what WJR does in the community, period. That's plain and simple, the truth. And I'm happy to announce that, believe it or not, we are in the midst of, starting today, 
the 14th annual Mow Down Hunger Campaign for Gleaners Community Food Bank with their partner, the Weingarts family. And Dan Weingarts, the president, is here to tell us all about it. Congratulations and thank you again, Dan, and the entire Weingarts family for helping Gleaners Community Food Bank mow down hunger. 14 years you've Whoops, we didn't off, have so you up here. I, we didn't we didn't hear what you said, unfortunately. Let's hear let's hear what you had to say from the beginning. <laughs> sure, Paul. I you know, 14 years and 14 years you've kicked us off. And so whether you were uh, early in the morning or now in the afternoon, I'm just so grateful um, for your support of this program um, for the last 14 years. Yeah, over the next four weeks, we are really hoping to raise a million meals for Gleaners Food Banks and other food banks around um, around the state to uh, to help uh, mow down hunger. This is our uh, a program that has become near and dear to our employees, our customers, and, and certainly to our family um to every year as school kind of comes back into session to to find ways to help um feed hungry kids um through through this program and and every year you have helped us to to meet that goal and we are setting the goal again at a million meals this year and and we're very excited to help uh to help get there well god bless you for that gleaners president and ceo and program host on wjr jerry brisson uh, tells it like it is. As students return to the classroom this year, they should be focused on learning, not worrying about where their next meal will come from. And with uh, donors' help and matching funds from the Weingarts family, we have an opportunity to make double the impact and ensure local kids get the nutritious food they need to thrive. I'm, I'm told, and you know this, Dan Weingarts, Every school in southeast Michigan has to work with kids who struggle with hunger. That's that's more than 316,000 students relying on free or reduced-price lunches in southeast Michigan, which indicates they may not have enough food to eat in the evening or on the weekends. And God bless you for, for 14 years now helping them mow down hunger as the match sponsor. You are a fabulous Michigan-based, family-owned provider of the outdoor equipment. You've done this for so long and helped and now matching every donation during the campaign dollar for dollar for up to 1 million meals. I I so appreciate what you and the family do. Thank you very much Paul W. We're we're honored to be a part of this community. You know, this is uh this is where we grew up. This is where we built our business and this is where our customers have chose to to trust us and um, if this is something that we can do to help, we're honored to be a part of it, and and for wonderful partners um, that that come through every year, whether it's customers or or you know our folks uh, like you at WJR that that get the word out uh, to help uh, you know bring these donations in, and we love to do the match. So, well, uh, Gleaners uh, does such a good job too. Uh, offering the community mobile food distributions five days per week, direct service, drive-through grocery sites with no appointment necessary. Uh, we're looking at a, a five-county service area. And, and and you guys are all over the place as well. In fact, how many stores does Weingarts have now? We have uh, six locations. We have five here in southeast Michigan and one north of Grand Rapids. Good for yep, you. So it's, and, it's grown quite a bit since our days uh, opened up in Utica 78 years ago. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, well, and you've been there for every day. And me, and me too. <laughs> Not quite. Even before we were born. Uh, <laughs> but we do appreciate uh, what you do and how you do it. And then I always, uh, it's, I mean, I just have to, I always say, well, Dan, are we going to need snowblowers this winter or not <laughs> well it i never have known it to happen two years in a row that we wouldn't need them so this is michigan we still have winters so we're still counting on the fact that we are going to need uh snow blowers this winter and <laughs> so my answer hasn't changed in 14 years <laughs> okay and the best place to get your lawnmower your snowblower anything for your home or garden is at Weingarts with six locations. And I like to do business with people who help other people, and that fits the Weingarts family to a T. 
You can go online to mowdownhunger.org, mowdownhunger.org. You can call 855-315-FOOD, 855-315-3663. And monetary donations will also be accepted at all Weingart stores to benefit food security programs across the state, including areas served by Gleaners, statewide food bank partners, food gatherers in Ann Arbor, Feeding America, West Michigan, and Grand Rapids. Uh, you can go to weingartscom slash locations to view hours and uh, locations. Dan, God bless you again, and thank you, my friend, for doing this. We've got four weeks to get this done, starting right now. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Best to the entire family, the great family. And again, a great family business, Weingart's. And the Mowdown Hunger is underway, the 14th annual fundraising campaign where the Weingarts family will match donations dollar for dollar up to one million meals. Let's do it. You always have answered the call because, as I've said a bazillion times, you are the most generous audience in all of radio in the country. You happen to be the smartest and best audience in all of radio, too. If you can't be here noon to two, be here on thegreatvoice.com on a podcast. Anytime you want to hear us, you can. Stand by for news and the excellent JR Afternoons with Chris Renwick. I want you to make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Talk to you tomorrow from the Auto Show. Regards, Paul W. Smith.